Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. In today's episode, I'm going to bring you advice from some of the most successful AE firm leaders in the country. I went to a conference, I met them, I sat with them, I spoke to them, and I recorded it. All right, back in September, I was a speaker at the Hot Firm Conference, which is a conference put on by Zweig Group which you heard all about if you listened to episode 57 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, where I interviewed Mark Zweig, the founder, and also the CEO, Chad Kleinens. This is on a different level, right? Chad and Mark gave us a great overview of Zweig, what they do, some advice for the firms in general. Now I went right to the leaders of these firms. And before I dive in here, and I will tell you a little bit more about Zweig Group before we get into the interviews, but I want to tell you a little bit about the conference itself, because it was a pretty awesome experience. I've been to a lot of engineering conferences, but they usually have a lot of working engineers, right? Of all different experience levels. A lot of times it'll be younger or PMs, but this was focused on leadership and they gave out several awards. They gave out a hot firm award, best firms to work for, marketing excellence. They have an award called the Jerry Allen Courage and Leadership Award, which is given each year to someone working in an architecture, engineering, planning, or environmental firm who's made a tremendous impact on the company through courageous leadership. Then they have the Trifecta Award if you've won multiple awards, the hot firm, best firms to work for, and marketing excellence. Also, they have now a Rising Stars Award, which is a newer award. It's interesting because if you have these awards and you have people that win these types of awards all together at a conference, it obviously is a pretty amazing experience. And you're going to get to hear a little bit of that today. I interview several different leaders. I also interview Will Schneer again, a CEO of Big Red Dog Engineering Consulting from Austin, who's been a fan favorite on the podcast. So you'll get to hear from Will. Everyone's going to introduce themselves and give a little tidbit of where they are, what their level is. But also at the end, in the end segment of the episode, I interview Randy Wilburn from Zwei Group, and Randy does a lot of talent acquisition, helps firms find the right people. So he gave some really good insight at the end of this episode on what firms are looking for today. And so that's something that you want to just definitely hang on for at the end, because regardless of whether you're a leader or a working engineer, I think it's just valuable information. Before we get into the main segment of our show, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. They are helping tomorrow's leaders achieve licensure exam success. And just be sure to make sure you listen up at the end of this episode to hear my advice on a super practical way you can advance in your career. Thanks to PPI, I also have an exclusive 20% discount available only to listeners of this podcast. Stay tuned. I also want to take a moment to tell you about our new Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, which you can find at engineertomanager.com. For almost 10 years now, we've been trying to figure out how to help engineers become more effective engineering managers. And I believe that we finally figured out how, and it comes down to three words, intensity, focus, and accountability. And if you enroll in our Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, you will experience all three. 
I'm going to tell you more about the program at the end of the show as we are enrolling engineers for our next session right now at engineertomanager.com. All right, so what I want to do now to lead us in to the first of several interviews on this episode, I want to tell you a little bit more about the Zui Group. Zui Group exists in order to help leaders in the architecture, engineering, and environmental consulting industries achieve their business and personal goals. Since 1988, when the firm was founded by Mark Zui and later joined by Fred White, has offered an ever-increasing and improving array of publications, services, and events designed to provide firm leaders with the tools they need to succeed. What began with a simple newsletter has grown over the last two decades to become a comprehensive suite of products and services, including newsletters, market research reports, seminars, and executive education offerings, business conferences, and management consulting services covering virtually every aspect of business management. And I just want to say, all these things were apparent at the Hot Firm Conference. They gave some amazing statistics on industry trends, kind of like State of the Industry Address by their CEO, Chad. Mark Zweig was there, of course, networking, talking to people, giving guidance and leading some of the sessions. It was a great experience. I can't emphasize it enough how being so close to all of these AE leaders, it's just amazing. Because you know what they say about conferences is that a lot of the value comes in the side conversations, right? Like in the hallway or just around the booths and you're talking and networking. And that was also the case here. I mean, the sessions themselves were great, but getting the chance to go into the hallway with one of these CEOs and talk to him or her about their company and about what they're looking for in younger engineers was amazing. It was just kind of unlimited. I felt like it was unlimited. There was information everywhere. And hopefully this is something you'll consider coming to next year. We actually did have one of our younger engineers and listeners of the podcast, Ernesto, who you're going to hear on this episode, who heard about the conference through the podcast and attended with the discount. And I hope it's something you're thinking about doing next year, because I could tell you right now, Ernesto said it was an amazing experience and he learned a lot. And I know that you can too. Now let's jump into the episode and start to hear some of these really interesting and what I consider very valuable interviews. Here we go. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. So I'm Brett Hart. I'm the director of structural or director of engineering operations at SidePlate Systems. Been with them for five years. Okay, great. And where are you guys located, Brett? We're in Mission Viejo in Orange County, California. Okay, Orange County, California. All right. So, Brett, one of the things on civil engineering professionals, mine, a lot of our listeners who are like up and coming project managers. What does your firm look for today in civil engineers? Things that might stand out. I think one of the biggest things that we try to find are good team players, and we found that people who are hungry, humble, and smart, and have those three things are really good team players, particularly humble. So we have uh, have a pretty rigorous interview process. We spend four to six hours with most of our candidates, a pretty good long interview. We have a test. Uh, We really get to know them. We have some really behavioral-driven questions. What is your past experience? Sort of predicting your future experience. So I think hungry, humble, and smart. Right, that's great. Right. And so you're very strategic in the interview process, it sounds like. Very strategic, very thorough. Uh, by the time we're done with that, I think we have a really good feel for if they're a good fit for us and if we're a good fit for them. I think we've taken a lot of pride in creating our culture. Sure. I'm uh, really happy that uh, we have a lot of we're all A players. We feel like everybody's really smart and really driven and really brilliant, but also humble and willing to work together. 
Yeah, I think I've done a lot of research on that myself, and I think that companies that are successful, they focus on hiring 18 players, exactly like you said, yeah. and they invest a lot of time into that process because that's going to save you a lot of time and money in the long run and build a stronger culture. No doubt. Because you're hiring the people just like you just said, which is great. One other thing, Brett, we could chat about real quick is, and we talked about this a little bit in my session, this idea of communication, right? We're in a world where people are all connected, a lot of office spaces are open, as opposed to being someone who's in their own office space that maybe like it used to be more. As a company, how do you approach that idea of focus? I know it's a balance, I know it's tough, but what can you offer from your experience? As far as whether people are in an office yeah, or like in an how do you environment? Yeah, how do you think about helping your engineers to be able to focus, but at the same time, foster communication? That's a really interesting and good question. I think especially with the millennials, especially with that generation, I think there's a tendency to always have to focus. We all have sort of phone, yeah. you know, <laughs> oh my God, my phone's gone, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die, and everybody's connected to a thousand different things at, right. at the same time, so. That's timely. It's a timely question, too. We just read a book about focus and how you can time block. Uh, it's something that we're going to be unrolling in the next few weeks and months about how you can uh, go to the library, right. go to a conference room, borrow an office yes. uh, if you need to, to really focus on a task at hand. So, Brett, tell me this. Let me stop you there because you said something interesting. You guys read a book. Is that something that your company decided to read a book together, the leadership, or tell me about that? One of our leaders read it. It was really a powerful message from his perspective. What is the book's name? The One Thing. The One Thing. by Gary Keller. Excellent book. All right. So one of your leaders read it. Yep. It's kind of timely. We just had our annual strategic planning just the early part of this week. So the executive team all read the book. We all came to planning session with that in mind, kind of thinking about, hey, what's the next thing that I can do the first domino maybe that we can set up to achieve something bigger and so focus is a big part of that and then what Gary suggests in that book is blocking out chunks of time you know and saying hey for the next two hours or three hours or whatever it's going to be whatever I can afford I'm really going to focus on this task so now you kind of have that mentality now it's a matter of thinking about ways you can implement it that's right right. trying to empower our staff to figure out how they can find it what they can do they're generally in four cubicles together with a a collaboration desk in the middle and I'm in an office and that's another part of the balance Um, my office is in the corner I have a tendency to be out of the way so I have to actually purposely put myself out in and amongst the team and the department just to kind of hear how everything's going and just kind of be in the mix. It's interesting because you start to get in, you can see how intricate being a manager or director can be. There's a lot of things you have to think about, especially what Brett just said is he has to make himself available. He has to come out of his office and be there, be available to people. But then like you and I talked about off the recording a little while ago, sometimes overly available becomes difficult because you need to maintain some things that you got to get done. So everything's a balance. There's no straight engineering equation for being (laughs) a great manager. But I like this idea of reading a book. And if you have a book in mind that might help your firm, bring it to your leadership. Say, hey, I think there's some great stuff in this book. Maybe we can apply it. Put on a lunchtime seminar. We talked about that in my session here at the Hot Firm Conference. Your company, I'm sure, would love to have. I'm sure you, Brent, if one of your young engineers came and said, I'd like to do a lunchtime presentation on communication. Absolutely. I'm sure you'd be thrilled. Yeah. In fact, one of our younger engineers... Stephanie just gave this wonderful, um, we call it boot camp, you know, it's about an hour long lunchtime presentation on how to read structural drawings. We had three interns that are in their fourth year in school for a five-year program that were spending the summer with us. You know, they don't even know what a section cut is. They don't even know what W12 by 26 means, maybe. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but... (laughs) 
you know, there's a lot of nuance to reading structural drawings, and it was a really cool session, right, because we've got some old dogs like me in the room, we've got some youthful, exuberant, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed engineers, and the discussions that we had, all the different nuance that you can see in just something as simple as lines on paper, right? which is what the construction industries use to yeah. actually build things out there, sure. was, was really powerful. I would say get those groups together with mixed bags of experience, because that can be really powerful, too. Yeah. That's a good point. And just to reemphasize, I don't think you understand as an engineer how valuable it could be for you to present in front of your colleagues because it pushes your boundaries, it makes you uncomfortable, which is what you want if you want to grow. And over time, in the civil engineering world, becoming an expert is important, especially when you're in a niche like Brett's firm is. So you're going to need to speak at conferences and get out there, and that's just going to help you do that. So Brett Hart from Sideplate Systems, thank you for a few minutes here on the podcast, and we appreciate your time. Enjoyed it. I'm Will Schneer. I'm the CEO of Big Red Dog Engineering. We are a 100-person engineering firm located in Texas. We have offices in San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, and Houston. And we provide civil engineering, structural engineering, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing design, and traffic and transportation engineering. And Will is a previous guest, and I like to call him one of the stars of the civil engineering podcast because... We seem to get an inordinate amount of downloads when he comes on, and I know his staff does not like to hear that. <laughs> but I'm just going to say it anyway. So, Will, I know a lot of civil engineering firms in a lot of parts of the country are busy, which means they're hiring, they're trying to find the right people. What do you look for in civil engineering professionals today that people should be aware of? Like, What are firms looking for, at least you guys? We are looking for probably what everybody else is looking for. You know, hard workers, uh, diligent workers, but really outgoing people who can communicate. You know, we expect them to obviously have an engineering degree, but we tr teach them the profession once they arrive. The things we can't teach them are the, really the raw communication skills and willingness to work hard and put themselves out there and take chances. And so we really hire for the soft skills and then plan on training uh, new graduates the, the technical skills that they need to be successful in the industry. Okay, and how do I show you that I have that if I'm coming to your company like for an interview or something? Like, How are you going to be able to tell that? It's actually quite clear. It's a very small minority that jumps out at you like that. And we typically try to make an offer and, and get every one of those small minority people who check all those boxes an offer letter and into the firm. But one example, we recently hired a marketing coordinator under Amy, our brand ambassador, and this uh, lady in her application included a whole report with a digital download of videos and podcasts that she had recorded and websites that she had made and really demonstrated that she had those skills and gave us examples of them in the interview, and it really made the interview more of a meet and greet process and when you're interviewing six people for that position and one of them brings you that and five of them show up for the interview and wait for you to ask them questions <laughs> uh, it becomes clear who the right candidate is there are things a candidate can do to demonstrate that and demonstrate experience and proficiency even if it's not entirely relevant to what you're doing you know if you can build a website for a soft drink company you can sure do landing pages for an engineering firm you right. know, for example if you've done a really cool senior project or you've done a really cool internship bring some of the deliverables from that and let us see what thought process and what actions went into that and what the result was and see if that's something that starts ringing bells for the sure. interviewer. Yeah, that's interesting. In fact, I just helped an engineer who's trying to get a specific position, and what we did in the process was I had him put together a business plan 
that he brought to the company, and they loved it. I mean, it shows that he was thinking ahead, that he wasn't... That's right. He was committed to... He was coming in there to do a job, not just to get a job. And we do that. We ask that very same thing when we're talking about practice leaders coming in from the outside into the firm, you know, who are expected to generate million, two million, three million dollars of practice. We want to see the plan and the numbers and how they think about it before we commit to that position, which is in contrast to what I was explaining at the lower levels of the org chart earlier, but exactly a a business plan, some well thought out financials. Here's the clients I would go after and the things I would do to get in front of them and win those relationships. All of those things would be showing initiative and showing drive and determination and all things an employer wants, not just somebody who shows up and expects to be told what to do every 10 minutes. Sure. One other question that I have for you, Will, that's come up already at the conference here, at the Hot Firm Conference, is this idea of an open work area where your people get to connect versus an area where they get to focus. So having a balance between you want your people to communicate and collaborate, you want there to be open discussions, but at the end of the day, you need them to focus on their work. So how do you, is there anything that you've come across to try to think about that problem? Well, we, all of our offices, uh, all four of them do have an open office environment, but all four of them also have what we call as quiet rooms, whether it's small conference rooms or, you know, walled, built out walled offices that aren't set up for an full-time person to be sitting in there where they can go and make private phone calls and collect their thoughts and, and think uninterrupted. That's as the firm has matured and as the company has gotten larger, you know, open office environment works great with 10 people. Yeah. Uh, with 60 people, it sounds like a call center. So it, it does, the open office environment definition and the way it actually operates does need to change as a company scales and gets larger. But okay. The truth of the matter is the open office environment's not going anywhere in our industry because, at least in our markets, rent is going through the roof. We cannot afford 300 square feet per person. Right. You know, we really need to be at about right. one per 150 uh, okay. would be ideal, or one per 200. You know, four or five per thousand is, is a sweet spot. And you can't do that with cubicles and walled offices. Right. So you you know, Austin and Houston are two of the most expensive rents in the country, or at least in the in that part of the country. Rent in downtown Austin starts at 50 bucks triple net, and you just you net your fees don't justify paying sure. for excess office space in a Class A market like that. What would you say is one of the biggest challenges facing civil engineers today in their careers? The biggest challenge facing most of our team members is finding the training and mentorship opportunities that allow them to be successful. Finding a job as a civil engineer right now is not an issue. You're going to get interviews if you're breathing and you have a civil engineering degree. Assuming you do the things at the interview we just talked about, so many of the young civil engineers are craving training, mentorship, acknowledgement of their successes and corrections, you know, constructive corrections of their shortcomings. Our team really demands and gets a constant feedback loop as a result on how they're doing and uh, so much of it is acknowledgement and training and face time with their supervisors and their and the people higher than them on the org chart and that's the biggest challenge and why a lot of young engineers end up leaving firms is because they're not getting the acknowledgement the training and the mentorship and they they thirst for that and they look for that at other places and they'll jump from firm to firm until they find it but that's the number one retention is that something thing that, you, that any of us can is do is that something that you guys communicate to them we have been forced to adapt you know it's a market realization that we came to about two to three years ago 
right when we were about 60 or 70 people, that we will not continue to grow by hiring the four to 10 year guy, we need to grow by hiring new graduates and loading them up from the bottom. Sure. And that's step one. Step two is getting them to stay there for 10 years. Right. And you're not going to get them from year two to year 10 if you're not providing those training, mentorship, and feedback loop opportunities for them. It's interesting. I've heard that from several executives already today, that their new strategy is to hire people out of school and try to retain them. There's nobody else. I mean, you're in the business. You help people find jobs. It is, there are more millennials in the workplace or coming up than there are Gen X and Gen Y combined. Right. So that is the workforce that we have to choose from. True. And we need to bring them up from the bottom and we need, need to do it rapidly and aggressively or this whole industry is going to be have a talent shortage for the next 20 years. Well, last question. If you're a civil engineer and you're not getting the opportunities and the training and the education and you want to stay at your firm, though, it's a good firm, what would you recommend for that person to do? Find them outside the firm. There's no reason you can't use a resource like the Engineering Career Coach or the Civil Engineering Podcast as one leg of a stool, but you can find mentors through ASCE, you can find mentors in other companies. I connected you with a young gentleman in Kansas City that I talk to regularly who's in a situation very similar to that. He's happy, he loves where he lives, and he likes the firm, but he's just thirsty for knowledge and understanding and mentorship. And honestly, any of us who have achieved any modicum of success really have an obligation to reach back down the ladder and pull the next person up because the industry benefits, the projects benefit, and the individuals that get helped out and do the helping also really get tremendous benefit from it. So if, if you're in a location where there's not a whole lot of places to shop your talent, you know, if you're not in one of the major markets in the country and, and you like the industry and you like where you're at, but you just need more challenge and more feedback, Find these outside groups, find people from other firms, start a networking group with people in similar situations, um, whether it's attorneys or architects or title people or real estate agents. We all have, all these young folks coming out of university these days all have the same uh, wants and desires. I mean, it's all recognition, training, and opportunities. And if you don't, if you're not getting them force-fed to you, doesn't mean you shouldn't go out and grab them somewhere else. Absolutely, and I think that that's the underlying theme here is that you can't blame your company. You can, of course, take on this mental attitude that my company's not giving me training, so I'm not going to succeed here. But there's no excuse with the internet. Go on Amazon and buy a book, and it'll be on your doorstep tomorrow, right? I know you get boxes of books on a regular basis. Tons of them. Yeah. I get an Amazon box. I just talked to my wife today. We get an Amazon box every two days at the house. <laughs> exactly. If it's not perishable, it's coming by prime. <laughs> so it's an easy out for you as a civil engineer to say, I'm not getting the training I need. But at the end of the day, you can go online and get all kinds of training that you want. I mean, you, we got 70 episodes of the podcast you could listen to that'll be helpful. Like it, Will said, it's one leg of the stool, but take it upon yourself. The information's there. You have to roll up your sleeves if you want to succeed and, and you can do it. You could definitely do it. And remember, you were just in university. You paid somebody to train you at university. Now somebody is paying you to do a job. They are not paying you so they can train you right. in their mind. The obligation to train and, and progress in your career is yours. It's not your company's. It'd be great if every company provided the pathway to do that, but they don't. Right. The responsibility remains on the individual in every facet of life. That's what people need to remember. Young engineers need to remember. Is if it's not being force-fed to you, you have to go out and hunt it. 
All right, or, well, or you perish, or your career is over. You're done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you want to sit there. If you want to sit there and be stagnant, you like I said, people take on this mental approach of my company's not training, so it gives them an out. So then I don't need to take action. I can just blame it on them. Yep. But at the end of the day, you're the one suffering, right? That's right. So you got to take action. All right, Will Schneer from Big Red Dog, thank you for some time here. Always a fan favorite on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate having you. All right, still here at the Hot Firm Conference, and I'm here with Mike Nelson. Mike is the president and CEO of LACO Associates. Mike's actually been a listener of the podcast, and he thankfully reached out to me through LinkedIn, and we've connected, and we've become friendly, and I finally got to meet him here, which is great. If you are a listener, I love to hear from listeners because we can you know, actually talk and, and build relationships. Mike, why don't you tell our listeners um, a little bit about your, your firm? Sure. Great. So LACO Associates is what we call a multidisciplinary engineering firm. So we do engineering services, mostly civil, water, wastewater, roads, drainage, that sort of thing. It also includes materials testing and lab and special inspections. And we have uh, geology and geotech services, and we have planning and environmental compliance and environmental remediation and, and cleanup. And we've been in uh, Northern California market in Eureka, area for over 60 years and over the last 10 years we've expanded south to include uh, towns of Ukiah and Santa Rosa service areas. And how long have you been the president and CEO? Mike? Uh, just for a year and a half. Okay, year and so a half. Been with the company for 10 years and president for a year and a half. Okay, so what I want to talk about, a lot of our listeners and I know a lot of civil engineering uh, professionals, the kind of pinnacle of their career that they're shooting for is ownership, partnership, president, and I don't know that they understand the full roles and responsibilities of, of a position like your position, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you do on a daily or weekly basis, some of the things that you'd ha- you have to do in these roles that people may not be aware of. Or Sure, yeah. Well, one of the things is pretty much a little bit of everything, yeah. and whatever needs to be done, sometimes it might be you know, HR issues, or it might be financing, or cash flow, or some specific, you know, dispute, or a contract issue, or risk management, and also still gets to include some fun time on projects, or I may have a legacy relationship with the client, or some history there. That's always fun to do that, but I also have the other overall responsibilities. And a big thing that's important, that's been a big change for us, is adapting to a multi-office environment and okay. it's a different culture of being you know been around for a long time but at over 60 years but we were in one office in one location everybody under one roof for 50 of those wow. years okay. so the type of management that's necessary to go from one office to three offices is uh, that's challenging and it takes a lot it you know creates some IT and some communication and some infrastructure challenges sometimes with the communication and making sure that the team all kind of knows each other and that's been something over the last two to three years that's we've been adapting to and getting used to that so I'm on to help overcome that I'm on the road all the time between our offices so I try to sometimes within the same week I'm in all three locations It's about four hours driving time between the furthest north and the south which is a great time for me to listen to podcasts. <laughs> so I have to say that my that kind of unique traveling situation has gotten me into listening to 
you know, your engineering career coach podcast, a lot of the Zweig podcasts as well. Sure. I find that very useful time to get some thinking done and focus on uh, some of those kind of bigger picture things. I get I get a lot of my best ideas while I'm on the road and, and traveling. Absolutely. And one of the things that I've heard this already a few times at the Hot Firm Conference here from people in positions like yours is being seen by your staff and your employees mm-hmm. is important, which I guess is a positive thing about you being able to mm-hmm. go to the different offices. Is that something you agree with? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I try to make sure, even if it's just only for a minute or two, I don't necessarily plan like a big meeting when I'm right. going to be at that office, but I make it a point to try to just stop around and say hello to right. you know each of our staff members and how's it going, what are you working on, that sort of thing. I just have a little bit of personal touch and, and interaction. One of the other big things that we did to kind of help with that multi-office is is put in a much more robust onboarding program. And I got a little bit of pushback at this on this in the beginning, but I require that all new hires have to go up to Eureka to our corporate office where we have our admin and accounting and our a lot of our support and HR staff and do a pretty intensive two-day onboarding, which is a chance to just meet all of those people that may they may not actually interact with directly or maybe it's only on the phone or email and you know if they're in the other offices so you know there's some cost and some time associated with that but we've gotten really good feedback from our new hires uh, that being a a great way to just meet the other people in the company and kind of put a face to a name and we do that right at the beginning so before they sit down at their desk to get to work they do that for their their first couple of days and that's been really helpful with, with new hires that's great so another question is, was it a goal of yours for a long time to become the president, or is it just something that you worked up and it, it came through the path? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think, you know, most people, if over your career you're kind of working up to management positions and higher level positions that, you know, if you have some ambition and drive, that's probably on the list yeah. somewhere, yeah. you know. It was for me, and I have held similar roles and titles in previous businesses before I came to Laco 10 years ago. Okay. So, you know, that was... You had that experience. I had that experience, and, you know, I had that interest. And so, you know, it's been good for me in that way where I could implement a lot of ideas and a lot of thinking that I'd had over the years to be able to jump in and, and run with that. That's great. What was it like making that transition for you from where you were to being president. I mean, obviously, at the president-CEO level, you're basically responsible for everyone and everything, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Was there, I don't know, a thought process, or what was it like for you when you actually took on the position? Was there some adjustments, transition? What was it like? There definitely were some. I'd say probably one of the hardest things for me to do was let go of projects, because I love doing projects. Right. You know, and it's one of the things we've heard a lot at this conference in the last couple of days, of that sort of, we have to make that transition yeah, I know that some of those things come with a sort of seller-doer type, you know, yep. conversations that you've had, and projects are fun. Yeah. It's hard to let go of projects. You know, I love engaging with clients. I love, you know, doing projects. I love doing business development and sales. I still do some of those things, yeah. but that was a hard transition for me was to actually really step back and go, you know, I can't be the project manager anymore. Right. You know, because then I'm not going to be able to keep the same rigor and the follow-up and the intensity and the drive that I have on projects if I have a lot of other responsibilities. That was a big adjustment for me. 
The other thing in terms of ideas about growth and management and, you know, managing financial performance, I had the benefit, you know, I was vice president for a number of years, so I already, I kind of had a lot of ideas, a lot of things I wanted to implement, but, oh, I see. you know, I'd say letting go on the project and client relations side was, for me personally, was one of the challenges. Okay. On the flip side of that, for the engineer that's listening, thinking like, you know, I'm really interested in maybe being high level or a president Ooh. of a firm, but I also love my projects. Yep. What's kind of exciting about being in your position? What are some of the things that you really like about it that you might not get to do at some of the other positions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, one of those is thinking about bigger picture, longer term things. We're thinking about bigger projects. You know, I mean, you always have to have your billable staff, being chargeable, being billable, having good utilization. But I also have the luxury to have a little bit more time where, you know, and I still do chargeable work, but not at the higher, you know, percentage that I I used to try to maintain previously. So I can really take some time to look at how do we develop in new markets? How do we grow in new territories? How do we build relationships in those areas that take time to build that it doesn't just happen instantly and we're still a people-driven business even though we have you know our technical requirements and our licenses and stamps and sure. contracts but we're still driven by relationships and some of those can take time to develop right so, so you do a lot more strategic thinking now about growth right yes definitely and we've been very much on the last year and a half uh, on a big push for a growth cycle to get us into a place, you know, and one of my personal ambitions for our company is to be a great place to work. You know, and our employees have to declare that. Right. I mean, I already think it's a great place to work. I can say that, but it's really something that our, I want our employees to say. And there's a certain point where the fundamental economics are harder to give back a lot of the things to our employees in terms of having great benefits, having great pay, right. and compensation levels if we don't have the company bottom line isn't strong enough. And for us, that really meant we had to push the growth because we had the infrastructure of having a strong management team and investing in our IT and investing in our licenses, but we need to leverage, you know, another 30, 40 FTE of billable staff to sort of cover that overhead, you know, cost that we have and infrastructure we have. So we've grown by about 25, 30 employees in the last year and a half. Wow. That's impressive. And how would you say, Mike, your technical and project skills, how would you say that they're still serving you and valuable to you in your role as president and CEO? That's a good question. So, you know, that gives me an opportunity when I need to jump in on on projects. So it's good to have kind of been in those shoes. You know, coming up as being a project manager and being a client manager and being a principal and dealing with contracts and issues and disputes and things that come up, both from a technical standpoint and a contractual standpoint. It's great to have that background, you know, even in my role now, because if there is an issue that comes up I have to deal with, you know, I've sort of been in that project manager's shoes. Yes. Or I've been in that principal's shoes and I know how some means and methods for handling those kinds of situations. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value to that, especially from the perspective of your team and your staff, because mm-hmm. I think that it probably is easier for them to come to you with a project situation, knowing that, you know, you've been there, you've done that, you've yep. already thought stuff like this through. And I think that that can be very beneficial. Not to say that there isn't times that having executives also mm-hmm. on your team that don't have an engineering background can obviously also be valuable with financial and other situations. For sure, and I think that that's something that I'm hearing a lot in this conference as well, is the strategic thinking. I mean, listen, 
the cool thing about engineering is the projects, right? We all love the projects. That's why we went into engineering. But there's also something to be said about strategically growing your company. And, yep. you know, I'm just talking with other CEOs this weekend at the, the Hot Firm Conference. I mean, think about it. You're looking for acquisitions, potentially. You're looking for firms that can fit in with yours like a puzzle that can then grow your mission uh, on a bigger level. And to me, those are exciting things about being in a position like Mike's. So one last question, Mike. You obviously have staff that you monitor, that you work with. You have leaders. What are some things in today's world that you see that stand out, like in some of your best people? Is there any things that, that come to mind that you see in them and you know, like, all right, this person's on a track to be a high-level mm-hmm. manager or executive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, a lot of that is, I mean, it takes a whole team to put these things together. It's, you know, to a certain point, you need people that are quiet and introverted and production-driven to crank out documents and crank out technical work. Right. And then you also need people that can be rainmakers and can be, you know, very strong in client relations and business development and you need strong project managers. And it's very difficult to find all of those qualities in one person. And I think in terms of being on a, a management or growth track, it's really, it comes down to be, you know, being a strong and effective communicator. That can be written, that can be verbal, that can be in, in person, but I think being able to clearly communicate with the team, being clear about what expectations are, right. being in a key role, especially in a multidisciplinary firm, right? Because we may have a large project that includes civil engineering, includes geology and geotech and soils, includes planning services, and it's challenging to manage those different things, right? So if you're an engineer, you're a PE, but you're also managing geologists and, yeah. and planners on your project. Or vice versa, we may have a planner managing a project and it's got a lot of engineering and geology in it. And so, you know, good, clear communication is a real key aspect to that. Yeah, that seems to be something I've heard from a lot of CEOs. All right, last thing as we're wrapping up, would you mind sharing the story you told me about when you started with your firm? You don't have to Mm -hmm. give like client name details, but Mm -hmm. you know, how you started off bringing business in. Yeah, I think, uh, so in that situation is where I, I started my first day at Laco a little over 10 years ago and came in with a contract starting on my first day. In fact, actually before I started, I was calling our president at that time going, hey, can you get me, you know, some of our contract forms over and so I can get this. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you haven't started yet. I'm like, I know, but I was having a conversation with, you know, someone who I built a relationship with, which was a large, well-established business. And yeah. I had given them some advice and some input. In a, from my previous employer, and when I told them I was moving to Laco, they said, "Hey, we got a great, we got a project. We got to talk to you about. We really like the advice that you gave us. Right. We really like the input you had given us, and showing us how we could get, you know, a better value and some long-term planning for some of our property. And that has parlayed into just a fantastic relationship. And over ten years of, of working and consulting with them as a top." client and it started with a $5,000 contract you know on my first day at, at the new job but I think to me the key takeaway about that is to always be building relationships and always be planting the seeds for the future if you have this typical like I'm just going to get in and close this deal right now and if I don't if this doesn't close I'm moving on to the next one yeah like you need to have some patience and it can take time to build those relationships and and you never know who you're talking to and if they have an ability to transact with you right or even if they don't they might tell someone else 
and yeah. say, oh, these guys are great. I had this great conversation with, and you should talk to Laco because they can help you out. Right, and the key thing there, too, from that story that I recall when Mike told me last time as well, and again, is value, right? Like, Mike gave these people value in his conversations with them and the advice he gave them. They remember the value, and they wanted more of that value ultimately and then so Mike ended up walking into his firm on the first day with a contract that parlayed into a much bigger contract for a very long time all right so with that I just want to say Mike Nelson president and CEO of Laco Associates Mike thanks for coming here on the civil engineering podcast you bet thank you glad to be here all right so we're still here at the hot firm conference I have a friend of mine Ernesto here with me Ernesto's been a member of our engineering mastermind for a while he's been a listener of the podcast and he's not only a listener but he takes action on these things and he tells me about the things he's done and the successes he's had which makes me very happy thank you Anthony it's really glad meeting you in Seattle we have a really nice uh, conference uh, I'm civil engineer original from Colombia. I'm living in Canada, working in British Columbia in the telecom industry. And um, as you say, I'm a member of the Mastermind uh, community. I learned a lot on the podcast, on the exchange with the community. It really helped me to grow up on my career, take action, you know. And I'm really glad to be here because you can have real advice from experienced people, successful companies, and really amazing. Yeah. And one of the things I want to talk to Ernesto about is he's big on taking action. We talked about the podcast. I had one on improving your resume. He did it. I had one on making some calls. He called people. He made opportunities for himself that he's told me about. I advertised this conference, this Wag Hot Firm conference, and gave some discounts through our website, and Ernesto decided to come. So, Ernesto, this conference obviously is not a cheap conference. It takes expense and takes time. And, you know, what made you want to come? Well, basically, the podcast you did with Mark and Chad it was really amazing. They were explaining what it's all about. Right. And having the mindset that they really have, thinking in the new generation of engineers, helping to grow up on their careers. And this is a great opportunity. I had the opportunity, you know, to have a close conversation with CEOs. And you learn stuff that you, you don't find on the books, right? Yeah. You interact with real people, successful companies. That's the hot firm's company. Yeah. And it's really amazing. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. And I'm, I've had a lot of conversations here with literally CEOs of AE firms. And I'm just pulling them aside. I'm just asking them questions, and like they're busy people. You would never get to do this right. on a regular work week for them. They're buried, but here they're available. They, they're willing to talk. They're willing to sit down. I've interviewed some of them on the podcast that you've heard and you're going to hear. So that's definitely something that's that's really really powerful, and I think it's something that we all need to be aware of. I know Ernesto that you focus on this a lot, right? Improving yourself. You're always looking for things to do. You use your time wisely. You listen to podcasts, right? Have you been trying to do that as much as you can? Yes, of course. I'm trying to optimize the time, you know, uh, learning more new stuff. Right now, I'm enrolled in an MBA program in strategic project management. That's going to help me, you know, to lead more, to be a, a successful leader. That's what I would like to do in the future. And that's why I'm here. And I would like to invite all the listeners on the podcast that uh, take action, you know, on yeah. your career. You don't think about, oh, it's expensive or, uh, you know, complaining. Right. Just take action. This is an investment on you, on your career. So Absolutely. if your company don't support you, you can support yourself, right? Yeah. So invest on yourself. You have 
good opportunities to meet with the successful companies and CEOs, and you will find your next job. We never know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to point out is that Ernesto's he's investing in this himself now with his company. And the bottom line there is that it's up to you. I mean, listen, he's a busy guy here. He's got kids. He's got an MBA program. He's got a job. He's in the mastermind community. He's doing. He's listening to podcasts. He's making calls. He's shaking things up, and um, he's getting it done. I think busy is an excuse, and it's an excuse that anybody can use, but it's not an excuse that you want to use. You want to optimize your time, do the high leverage tasks, the eighty twenty tasks, so that you're going to be ending up at this conference one day as the CEO of a firm. Right. And that's what you're going to do. All right, Ernesto, just as we wrap it up here, what is something that's been very helpful for you in your career that you've done that's helped you to, like, succeed, like, that you can share with the audience? Well, I mentioned you yesterday. I remember this episode with Jim Rogers. Yep. He was mentioning about the cold call, you know, when you make calls and you don't know the people, they don't know you, and so you have to try and introduce yourself and uh, following the advice he gives. So I did that. I did a couple of calls. I started calling a, a small companies on my area, and I got a contract with one of those calls, you know, having some uh, structural engineering work, and it's great. You need just focusing on what you want and where you want to go and act, you know? Right. I'm also trying to do that and give some more opportunities for you. That's why I'm creating the Engineering Management Accelerator Program, so you can put some of the things from the podcast to action, and we're going to continue to help you take action. So, Ernesto, thank you for spending some time here on the podcast. Thank you very much, Anthony, and it's really great meeting you in Seattle. We had a great time here. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview so far, and now I'm going to give you one last interview in our end segment here. You're about to hear a conversation between myself and Randy Wilburn. Randy is the Director of Recruiting Strategy for the Zwei Group, which means that he's focused on a very regular basis with helping AE firms trying to find the best people, right? Trying to solve their talent acquisition needs or challenges. And this is an important aspect of this episode because in this conversation you're about to hear, Randy talks about what firms come to him looking for, right? And as a working AE professional, you should be aware of that. You should be aware of the skills that firms are looking for and you should be developing those skills. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk to Randy about this very specific topic because it's something that you can take and then use. So before we jump into this end segment and you hear the interview with Randy, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. One of the biggest pieces of advice I can provide to engineers is to get your professional license as early as possible. It's a practical way to advance your career, earn more money, and set yourself apart. To learn more about the exams, including invaluable exam tips, check out PPI's resource centers for the FE and PE exams. It's a one-stop hub for all the information you need to register, prepare for, and ultimately pass your exam. Visit ppi2pass.com forward slash resources to learn more. Again, that's ppi, the number two, pass.com forward slash resources. And if you need exam prep materials, use promo code CIVIL on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's promo code C-I-V-I-L. All right, so yeah, I'm excited to talk to Randy 
He's a fellow podcaster. He's really plugged into the acquisition side of it, the talent recruitment in the AEC world. And as civil engineering professionals, I'm sure that's something that you're interested in. So, Randy, you get approached by companies. You help companies with talent acquisition. For the listener out there who's a working, probably civil engineer mostly, what are firms looking for in their workers these days? What are the things you're hearing commonly? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is finding individuals that are comfortable, not only comfortable in their own skin, but are also comfortable communicating effectively. And I think that's one thing that sometimes is missing in the design space with young engineers and architects for that matter, is the ability to properly communicate some of it is around the fact that sometimes soft skills are lacking in individuals. Sure. And I think it's really important for individuals, especially civil engineers that are out there trying to set themselves up for success long term. It's not, you, it's not just about being proficient in your craft as an engineer, but it's about being all, all around and overall successful throughout. Now, so both in, in your personal life as well as in your professional life. And I think that's what firms are looking for well-rounded individuals that can make a difference for them, not only at a public hearing meeting or in front of a client, but also just in the general interaction with their peers in the office and that they're, they have the ability to communicate clearly and to communicate effectively and to not be afraid to share their ideas and what they're thinking. Because a lot of times you run into younger individuals that have the mindset that, you know, maybe I just, I'm only going to speak when I'm spoken to. But I'm encouraging young engineers to not necessarily be, you don't have to be outspoken, but you need to be in the conversation. Sure. And you don't want to sit back and, and be part of the background. Yep. And so I would certainly encourage them to step up their game, if you will, yeah. uh, in that area, because I think it makes a big difference. And that, and I, honestly, firm owners that I've talked to, they look for that. They're always like, man, if I could find somebody like myself, because if you look at most successful firm owners, while some may be more stoic and more reserved, a lot of the most successful ones are outgoing, they're gregarious, they are kind-hearted, they are open to talking to anyone and not afraid to have a conversation with anyone. They'll look you in the eye, they'll sure. shake your hand. These are all things that I think are extremely important, and I would encourage anyone listening to this podcast is to kind of do an introspection on themselves and reflect on those areas that they can improve upon from a social skills perspective and then areas of shortcomings that they feel like they might have so that they can then kind of set themselves up for success by practicing those areas and becoming more fluent in areas that may be more of a challenge for them as far as that's concerned. That's great. And Randy gave a presentation here at the Hot Firm Conference talking about some avenues that can be used for talent acquisition, like social media and blogging. And, you know, it was directed mainly toward the HR professionals, but we also talked a little bit about in that session how you as a civil engineer who needs to build recognition and expertise can also take advantage of some of the channels that your company may have available, right. especially a blog where you can write articles and you can gain recognition. And I'm sure that that is going to be helpful for you to grow in your career. And I think it's something that all engineers need to become savvy on, right? Yeah, Randy? absolutely. So my advice would simply be this, Anthony, for your listening audience, and most of you guys that are listening to this, guys and gals, you know, I know that you have, you operate on social media, that you spend time in that space, but I'm sure you probably compartmentalize your social media activity from what you do at work. Mm -hmm. And my point would simply be to break that wall down 
and figure out a way to utilize some of your social media skills within the confines of your everyday work. Because if you can do that, right. you will not only be a valuable asset to your organization, but it will go a long way in extending your own personal brand when it comes time to marketing yourself as a professional for a new opportunity, to work on a new project. There are a lot of things that you could be doing to continue to amplify who you are as an engineer. And I think some of that is just figuring out how to leverage what you already know about social media within the confines of your normal workday. Yeah, I mean, just imagine for a second, I'll give you an example. Let's say that Randy and I work for the same firm and we go to a meeting to try to get some business from a prospective client and I'm maybe like a younger engineer and Randy's my supervisor and the firm, the person says, oh, you know, Anthony, I see you on social media all the time, all your stuff you're posting, right? I mean, that right. looks great for the firm. Randy's going to be like, wow, this guy is like out there. Yeah. The clients are interested in him. Yeah. And so you have that ability. It's free and it's available to you. To put your mark out there, brand yourself, which in turn is going to help your company immensely. So your company should promote you and help you with that. But at the end of the day, too, we all know that things happen in the civil world. What happens if all of a sudden you don't have a job anymore for some reason? The economy dries up, something happens. You have this trail that you've left out there of a reputation, of recognition, of expertise that you're now available and people can see what you've accomplished. And it's not now you, it's too late at that point to build that. It takes time. Yeah. And it's a body of work. And I think for a lot of you listening to this, it's more than just words on your resume from a project by project standpoint. It's a chance for you to really leverage what you're learning on the job, what you're able to do on behalf of your company and your clients to advance them on a project by project basis. And it also enhances your own situation. So I would just encourage you just to be really intentional about that and figure out ways, uh, especially from a social media perspective, to leverage uh, your skill set in that area. And if you're not necessarily comfortable with doing that or if you're worried about, well, I'm not, I can't be out there on social, I'm using air quotes, because maybe your company frowns upon that, well, find out what their policy is. And I'm not, we're not suggesting that you do something that you're not supposed to do, but all we're saying is, look, play within the, the confines of the rules and figure out a way to be social when and where possible, because it will make a difference in terms of advancing your personal brand and kind of going from there. And so I would really encourage you to do that. And in addition to that, the direct benefit to your company is that you're out there and you're exchanging information with others on a social media platform about what you're doing at that company. And that ultimately helps them at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. You know, do within the confines. Very simple thing you can do, kind of low-hanging fruit, is just build a strong LinkedIn profile that's yeah. out there because yeah. that's something that's going to be helpful. And we have a civil engineering podcast episode on that, how to build a LinkedIn profile as a civil engineer. So there's resources out there. Someone's going to land on your profile and they're going to immediately make a judgment about you and you can dictate that. And that's why this is available and it's out there. So Randy Wilburn from the Zwei Group, he's a talented guy with this stuff. He's been doing it for a while. He's podcasts. He's online. You're on all the socials at I'm Randy on all Wilburn, the right? socials at, at Randy Wilburn. If anybody has any questions or just needs some helpful advice, be sure to reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to get back to you. Awesome. Thanks so much for speaking with our listeners. Thank Randy. you for having me. It's an honor to be here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was a little different than most where we had a lot of different interviews mixed together, but 
the hot firm conference was awesome and there was a lot of value and I wanted to take the value out of it as much as I could and bring it to you through this podcast. And I know everyone over at the Zoi group is excited to allow me to do that as well. And I thank them for letting me be a part of it. And I certainly look forward to being involved with the conference in any way I can next year because it was just so valuable, I think, for everybody involved. So before we sign off, remember earlier in the show, I mentioned how we've created a new program called the Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, which combines intensity, focus, and accountability. Well, it's intense because it's a five-week online program, mostly done outside of working hours. You'll focus because you'll be put on a team with other engineers. You'll be given an engineering management problem, and then we'll give you five one-hour skill-building calls on skills like communication, networking, productivity, leadership, and also five open coaching calls. And we'll put you in a private forum with your team and a coach, and you'll sprint and you'll find a solution. Then for accountability, you'll present your solution at the end of the program to our coaches and also to your company once you are finished. This is not only accountability, but it's a huge opportunity because the problems that we give you may generate real solutions for your company while helping you become an effective engineering manager and improving your speaking skills. I have met way too many engineers that haven't been able to make that engineer-to-manager leap, and this program is built to change that. So please visit engineertomanager.com to enroll for our next session. Spots are limited, and we sold out our last session in just a few days. Also, on the website, you will see a tab for company reimbursement, where you can download a one-page PDF and some text that you can send with it to your boss in an email and you will probably get reimbursed. 90% of our students have. Again, that's www.engineertomanager.com. Also, please remember you could find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 71. You will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 